Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season three, episode 17, Jack in the Box. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams, written by Dennis Foon, directed by David Winning, original air date, April 23rd, 1990. So we're back with season three, episode 17, Jack in the Box. Kim is off this week, but we do have Elizabeth back for this episode. Hello. Thanks for coming back. My pleasure. You wouldn't have come back if you had to watch the one I originally uh, <laughs> I originally assigned to you. <laughs> so the cursed antique from Friday the 13th Wiki is a drowned sailor jack-in-the-box that allows its owner to see the spirit of her dead father after it drowns people. So what did you think of this episode? It made no sense to me. <laughs> And maybe I missed something, which is possible. I might have missed something. But I don't understand how the girl figured this out. Exactly. She got this jack-in-the-box from her father for her birthday. She starts playing it. And the next thing I, you know, she's on like a little killing spree, purposely murdering people with her evil jack-in-the-box. How did she figure it out? That's what I didn't understand. Exactly. And there's a part in this that I had questions about, but I thought it was just me being me. But... (laughs) reading too much into it but i don't know you're right most of the time i never know how they figure it out unless they got it directly from uncle lewis and we're looking for something to do whatever it's doing and the ones that we have seen so far we have come in sort of in the middle of the evil so that the backstory of how the person figured out how to use the cursed object is not part of the story but in this one We were there when she got the cursed object and how she figured out how to use it didn't make sense. It also didn't make sense why she was driven to go back to the place where her father was murdered. Exactly, Um, yes. Yeah, and then she was just like, (laughs) she reminded me of Damien and the Omen. I'm just going to kill everybody. (laughs) Yes. She was a little frightening, yeah. There was so much about the story that didn't make sense. You know, and the mom is all of a sudden completely out of touch and not helping her child and drinking heavily. I mean, it was just all so, it felt very, very contrived. And I actually started to imagine a scenario where (laughs) the writers are like, I know, let's come up with a cursed object related to a sailor and people drowning. Oh, wait, they won't let us do anything on the ocean. It's too expensive. Okay, in a pool instead. We can't have the whole thing in a pool. So let's have people die in their bathrooms and in a car wash. like they worked so hard to make this one work and you know as a writer i immediately started to rewrite the story in my head and i came up with she could have had this jack-in-the-box and had been at home pondering her loss her father's murder and her upsetness and her trauma and you know how just terrible this is playing with the jack-in-the-box and thinking about him and people dying because she's thinking about them in anger even though she doesn't actually know who they were that would actually been a really good story but instead she's following them all over town at midnight on her bicycle with a with her evil jack-in-the-box <laughs> Well, thank you for validating my feelings. <laughs> I will say this. I did enjoy the music that Jack in the Box played. It's a sea shanty called Drunken Sailor. Oh, I didn't know that. Th- that I liked. Like, okay, they got that right. Right piece of music. Then the question remains, why does a father buy his daughter a, a music box that plays Drunken Sailor? Yeah, that would have been a really easy little piece of backstory that they could have worked into it. You know, something about, you know, to my favorite fan of the sea or something, yeah. you know, just a little bit of dialogue, a little 
little bit on that note, the card that he gave her, just a little bit more, just saying, you know, she's a fan of the ocean. She loves, you know, sea tales, something like that. She loves the water. And then that would have made sense. Tim and I have discussed this a million times. There's just one line that they could throw in to make it make sense. And they don't. Yeah. And they don't. So we begin with a bunch of drunk men in a pool. The lifeguard, once again, Jill Hennessy, in I think her fourth or fifth character in this series. Um, (laughs) Are they expecting us not to recognize her? uh, The father was already used in another episode. They used the same actors over and over and over. You know, Star Trek is the same thing. But at least they like put prosthetics on them and make them different aliens. Exactly, yeah. So she tries to throw them out of the pool, and Mike pulls her into the pool. And actually, Mike was used. This is probably his fourth. He looks familiar to me. He is familiar. He's been in this series quite a lot. Do we know who the actor is? AJ something. I've gone through his IMDb, and I don't recognize anything. You know, sometimes you've seen people in shows, and it doesn't really occur to you. But you see people, and you know that you recognize them from something specific. But right. It's not coming to me. Um, All right, I'm going to look. Because I felt like I'd seen him in something other. I mean, I don't watch these as much as you. I watch these for you, my friend. Yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, pretty much the only reason we started watching this again is because... I remembered when Warehouse 13 came on the air, I said, that's Friday the 13th. Yeah, only better. So we figured just to stay on the Warehouse theme that we would do Okay, A.C. Peterson is his name. And man, he is so familiar. Yeah. So where have we seen him before? He's done a lot. He's a very prolific character actor. Right. He's still working. He's got other things coming up here. Okay, I found him. I've seen him in Stargate Atlantis, which is another Canadian production. Oh, okay. All right. And the Stargate series is... Atlantis, SG-1, they were all filmed in Vancouver, and they, too, reused actors. Okay. Oh, he was also in Stargate SG-1. There we go, yeah. Yeah. So I've seen him in that, too. And now that I read these, I I remember the episodes that he was in. Well, mystery solved. (laughs) Mystery solved. But he's done a lot of stuff. This is amazing. I mean, it's going back, I'm in 93, 92. Yeah, he's very, been very prolific, very hardworking actor. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, okay. So after Mike pulls her in the pool, there's a janitor nearby who says he's going to call the police. The lifeguard storms off to report them to Brock, who I suppose is the boss or the owner of the facility. And Brock is talking to his wife on the phone. His daughter's birthday is that day, and they're apparently planning a surprise party later while pretending to have forgotten her birthday. And I'm sorry, that's mean. I agree. That's uh, mean. That was horrible. You can plan a surprise party without pretending to have forgotten totally about her birthday. Yes. Yes, and hurt your child's feelings. Exactly, yeah. So Helen will be sending Megan to Brock at the club so she can set up to have the party attendees there when Megan gets home. So back at the pool, Brock tells the lifeguard that he'll take care of the men, and he throws them out, but they wait in the parking lot for everyone to leave, and they go back in and attack him. So they kill him and knock out the janitor. Megan walks in as they're leaving and is able to catch a glimpse of Mike and then sees her father dead in the pool. So at some point later at the store, we learn that Mickey is good friends with Brock and his family. And I never understand how she's such good friends with these people. She didn't live there before they took over the store. Well, and that's actually something I was thinking about, too, about, you know, it's Friday the 13th. Warehouse 13. They had enough resources where they could send their people all over the country, all over the world, I think, to collect the stuff that needed 
to be collected. Whereas these folks are trapped in their little store in this little town, which coincidentally all this stuff happens in. Right. And I've only seen a few of them and they seem like they're always in the same little town. And I'm thinking that's one cursed little town. Yeah, it is. And most of the yeah. time they are in the same little town. Yeah. Jack asks if the police know anything yet. Mickey tells him that the pool man said he didn't see anything, which we know is false, and Megan only saw a glimpse of the man. So nobody ever asked the lifeguard? Right. Again, the police, as you've pointed out before, being quite non-helpful. Yeah, but you would think the lifeguard, who probably still works there, when learning that her boss is dead, would say to somebody, hey, there were these three guys that we had to throw out. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. And and that was actually something else that kind of bothered me. The timing of all this, the timing of the story seemed very strange. I couldn't tell. It was like the guy was murdered on her daughter's birthday. Right. And then the next day she starts using her evil jack-in-the-box. Right. And we don't know if it's the next day or not or what. So I'm thinking, where's the funeral? Yeah. You know, and the wife starts like getting rid of the husband's stuff like yeah. the next day. It, it, it just felt weird. The timing of it, you know, there was, it was just felt weird. And Mickey does mention at one point that Helen fell apart at the funeral, but we still don't know how long it's been. Oh, okay. Did I, was there a funeral that I missed? No, I we didn't see, seen. no, we didn't see a okay. funeral. It was just okay. one little line that Mickey said, but still, we still don't really know how long it's been. Yeah. It doesn't seem that it, it was that long. She was still looked like she was in her funeral clothes. Yeah. You know? And because of that, I, I would have thought that, you know, and again, it would have been something solved with an easy single line. You know, the police interviewed the lifeguard or, you know, they followed up on several leads and they just, they haven't been able to find out who did it yet. You right. know, just little tiny things that kind of let us know that there's some reality here. Right, right. Yeah. My complaint is, well... So Johnny offers to talk to Megan as he lost his father not too long ago. And side note, Johnny's father was killed with an antique. Okay. They introduced Johnny towards the end of season two, just as some guy who was helping Ryan on a case. And then in his next episode, his father was killed by an antique, which is kind of how he officially started working with them. Okay. So over at Helen and Megan's house, Megan goes into the room that's still decorated for the party that never happened. And she decides to open one of the gifts. And it's a jack-in-the-box. And it was from her father. So I never really understood the draw of a jack-in-the-box. But anyway, it's kind of a weird gift for a kid her age. Well, and, and it's a creepy jack-in-the-box. It is, yes. Not only does it play the song that you said, The Drowning Sailor, but... Drunken Sailor, yeah. But the thing that pops up is frightening. Yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. This is the part I questioned because when she first started playing the Jack in the Box, she kind of looks up as if she's looking at something that we're not seeing. And she says, Daddy, I miss you. Yes, so, I agree. 
And I wondered if that was him appearing because of the Jack in the Box, which is fine. But still didn't see the connection with, okay, now you have to kill people. Right. Or even if for some reason she was able to figure out it's a stretch that she has to kill people, why does she always have to go to the pool if she saw him there? Yeah, it was just, it was strange. Yeah. So Johnny tries to talk to Megan, but he doesn't really get anywhere. But she does say that she wishes the man who killed her father would die. And Johnny tells her that it won't bring her father back, but she asks, how do you know? So I guess she kind of has that in her head, which we hear later. Yeah. So Helen's sleeping. She's been drinking. Megan sneaks out of the house and goes to the pool with the -the jack-in-the-box. The janitor's there, and she accuses him of not helping her father when the men were attacking him. She's angry, he's drunk, and she slaps the bottle into the pool. And then she plays the -the jack-in-the-box, as if she seems to know what's going to happen. Yeah. And she did say she came to the pool to see her father. She says that to the janitor. So it makes me wonder about that scene that we just talked about when she first played it. I don't know if she saw something or felt something that made her know what the box would do. But then after the janitor drowns and her father appears, she looks surprised. Not only that, she didn't look the least bit horrified. No. This man was, like, killed right in front of her. I mean, right. it was just, like I said, it, was so, it reminded me of Damien in the element. And you're going to die, and you're going to die, and you're going to die, and I'm not going to yeah. change my face. Right. It was all very confusing to me, so I'm glad it's not just me. At this point in the episode, and because I don't read the antique description until after I watch the episode, I was thinking that she had to kill everyone responsible for his death to make him live again. That's what I was thinking the antique would do. Okay. Which isn't correct. The next morning, she tells her mother that she saw her father at the pool, and Helen tries to convince her that she must have been dreaming. So at the store, there's a conversation between Jack and Johnny about owing it to Brock's family to find out what they can. And they wanted to keep it away from Mickey, so I didn't know if they already suspected Antique or what. And it us- But why? That's it's, the other thing that didn't make that, any sense. That's what I mean. It usually takes more than one death before they start to suspect an antique but later right. we learn that they have already heard about the janitor's death and mickey hadn't they leave this scene and then they come back after the next scene yeah and they're talking about the janitor's death at this point i thought they cut something out of the scene and maybe that's it because you know it didn't make sense to me if janitor died the same way that sounds like murder i mean that would be when the police come in and like this is full-on ugly nasty murder two people murdered here you know yeah we need to figure out what's going on yeah it usually takes them much more to be convinced it's an antique. Right. So Megan happens upon a drunk Mike with a woman on the street. She knows he looks familiar, but she doesn't put the pieces together until he's in the car and leaving. At home, Helen's still drinking. Mickey's there. Megan runs in to tell them that she saw the man who killed her father near the stripper places in town, and she thinks his name is Mike. Mickey tells her that they need more details to go to the police, but really, they don't. No, they really don't. The description and his first name could ring a bell with the lifeguard. Plus, they call it a club, so you would imagine they know the people who come in and out. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Didn't make any (laughs) sense. The only reason to do this was to get this little girl to murder people with her evil jack-in-the-box. Yeah, That's the only reason. So Megan talks to her mother, who's still drinking, about getting her father back. She thinks if the man who killed him is caught, he'll be able to come back. So then Brock appears to Mickey, which doesn't make sense either. It doesn't make sense antique-wise, and tells her that Megan's in trouble and needs her. And I guess this appearance is just a matter of his own will and not the curse. I don't know. Yeah. But why not tell her that Megan has a box that's killing people? Why make her guess? Yeah. I mean, if he has limited time, say she has a box that's killing people, she needs help. Yeah. 
And why not appear to his wife, who kind of needs to see him because she's drunk all the time and ignoring her daughter? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. So Megan goes back to the bar looking for Mike, and she sees the woman he was with the night before, but now she's with a different guy. But Megan hears her give her address to this guy, so she goes there and uses the music box, and the woman drowns in her sink. And it's a good thing the woman lived on the bottom floor, because I don't know what she was going to do if she didn't. Right. So Megan goes back to the pool to see her father. And again, I don't know why she has to keep going to the pool. Maybe it's just because it's where he died. Well, that's what I thought. But like I said, he appeared to make me. That might have been his own will. And then later he appears at their house, which could have been his own will as well. Yeah. He tries to convince her to stop using the box. And she can't keep killing people to bring him back. The next day, when Johnny reads about the woman's sink drowning, Jack sends Mickey to speak with Megan again. While he goes to talk to the curator of the museum... The museum was closed months before, but he's hoping for information on the Jack in the Box. I don't know if I said, but somewhere along the line, they learned that the Jack in the Box was in the Sailor's Museum. Mickey tries to talk to Helen about her drinking, but Helen gets angry and asks her to leave. And then she also says something about, you knew him as well as I did. And Mickey says, what is that supposed to mean? And so I thought she was insinuating something was going on or something maybe went on in the past. Yeah, I think by that point, I I had stopped caring about (laughs) what was happening to this woman. So I was sort of like, whatever. You know, because I I thought the same thing. I thought they are trying to add some layer of emotional conflict here. Yeah. To what end? You know, I just couldn't see other than just to try to keep me engaged in a story that was barely engaging. I was actually kind of irritated by that. By yeah, that point. they bring it up. And yes, Mickey is overwrought. Like, I understand it's their friend, but she's a little more. Yeah, it felt like they were trying to make it obvious that there was more there. And yeah. then he comes to see her. But then they never went anywhere with it. Right. They never told us what that was all about. I don't know. On her way out, Mickey runs into Megan and asks if she saw a toy box with the man who killed her father. Megan says she's told Mickey everything already. So, which is really interesting because she's also then very protective of this box. Right. You know, it would have been helpful if they make somehow, like, implied that the evil leaked into the child. Because otherwise her behavior, again, made no sense. Well, I think... Unless this was just an evil child. Yeah, and and Kim and I have asked that question many times. And I think, although every time we find out what a rule is, they change it. So I think we found out somewhere along the way that the artifact affects the person. Okay, all right. That would be helpful. That's helpful because she just, her behavior didn't make sense. No, but then there's been instances, like there was one I just watched recently by myself, that the man who had the artifact... He was a good guy, and in the end, he was a good guy because he killed himself instead of letting... So there was still some of himself left, to, you know? Okay, okay. So that's what I mean. Every time they make a rule, it changes somewhere along the line. Right. So the way we understood it was the artifact affects the person, but the person has to want something, has to have some evil intentions, which you wouldn't expect a child to have evil intentions except that her father was killed. So maybe... I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like I said, every time we think we figure out what's going on, they change. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. change the rules. So in the house, Megan brings up Helen's drinking. She's angry, and she says that drunks killed her father. And she hates everyone who drinks. So at this point, I abandoned my theory about Megan having to kill people involved with the murder and moved on to thinking that she had to kill drunk people. Okay. <laughs> what's interesting is, is that... How does she know that drunks killed her father? Exactly. That you know, there was nothing in there to to 
give us except her sort of seeing this Mike guy after he'd been drinking. Exactly. But she doesn't know that drunks killed her father. Right. It was again. It was sort of this. I don't know. Which is not very clean writing, in my opinion. No, no, I agree. And then when she said that, I assumed her mother would be next. And then we move. <laughs> and then we move back to the store. And I really thought I was right because Jack and Johnny now are talking about someone drowning drunks because you know they don't know that. I mean, Megan has the box. They're working on the assumption that Mike has the box and is killing witnesses, which doesn't make sense either because first they say somebody's out there drowning drunks and then they think Mike is out there killing witnesses who, who might happen to be drunk. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. No. So Nikki immediately thinks that Brock was trying to warn her that Megan may be on Mike's list. Which he, actually makes sense. That was one of the few things that made sense. Exactly, yes. Yes, and that's what I think because he didn't tell her anything. He may, He's making her guess. And then Jack gets the call that Brock is actually the one who bought the box. So Megan goes back to 7th Avenue to find Mike. In the meantime, Mickey, Jack, and Johnny go to Helen's house who tells them that Brock gave the box to Megan for her birthday. So she does remember the box. And they rush to 7th Avenue to find Megan as they assume she's after Mike. Mike comes out of a bar and Megan confronts him about killing her father and he threatens her, of course, to keep her mouth shut. So Megan follows him to his job at a car wash and he drowns in a car. At night. I mean, how many people run out and get their cars washed at night? Yes. And if you look at the car at the end, it's not even full of water. His head is totally out of the water. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, if nothing else, you're getting a good laugh, right? Yeah. <laughs> how not to do it. That's what this is. Yeah. So she goes back to the pool and her father tells her that she can't be with him now and that her mother needs her as long as she's alive. And tells Megan again that he can't come to her anymore. You idiot. I know. Poor, poor choice of words. So Jack, Mickey, and Johnny arrive at the car wash after the drowning. And now Jack believes that Megan's using the box to spend time with Brock. So Megan comes home and Helen is still drinking. And she starts to use the box. Her father appears. So again, he's appearing somewhere else other than the pool. So I'm thinking it's just his will and not the artifact. Yeah. I guess. She stops cranking the handle and Helen can see him as well. He's there to stop her from killing her mother. Megan says that she's a drunk, but she does stop cranking the box. Brock vanishes and Megan runs out insisting that she's going to be with him. So Jack, Mickey, and Johnny pull up to find Helen outside. She tells Mickey that Brock appeared and she thinks that Megan is going to be with him. Megan gets to the box and gets into the pool. If he can't come back to her, then she's going to him. Brock appears and tries to stop her. He tries to convince her that her mother really does love her. Helen and the rest are locked out of the pool and are pounding on the door. Brock pleads for Megan to stop. He says that her mother needs her now. So Johnny smashes the glass and Helen rushes in and stops the box from opening and Brock feeds away. And back at the store, the box is safely in the vaults. Mickey tells Johnny and Jack that Megan and her mother seem to be doing fine and they're going to the country for a few days. That was a lot of trauma to just get over. Right. What they need is like a serious amount of therapy because that kid is a sociopath. Right. Right. So and then Jack talks about grief being one of the hardest things that anyone has to deal with. And again, after all this, they do need some therapy. And so that's about it. So did I miss anything you wanted to talk about? Although you stopped paying attention. So. <laughs> nope. You got it all. We got it all. We talked about it all. I was going to say that this episode was the, only the second episode where the antique user actually lived. 
Okay, interesting. The first being the awful one from last week. My wife is a dog. Okay, didn't see that one. Well, you're lucky. But I'm remembering that the girl in the pilot with the doll also lived. So either way, it almost never happens that the person, whether it's a child or not, using the antique lives. So that was something different. I just think this could have been a better story. Yes, it could have. I mean, there was a story there. It just wasn't told in a way that makes sense. Yeah. And it really made me just, you know, all the stuff happening at night and the places that they took the story, it it, it felt like budget constraints. It really did. They had to squeeze the story into budget constraints. Yeah, I believe that because this went off the air. There's only three more episodes. So it was canceled abruptly. And I've said more than once during this season, because, you know, we have an episode where one of the main characters isn't even in it, and then another one isn't in it. It it definitely feels like budget. Yeah. You know, we had one where none of them were in it. Mickey was in for five minutes, and it was all guest cast. Interesting. Yeah. So I definitely believe there's budget involved here. Definitely. That's too bad. Yeah. But it could have been a good story. There was just too many holes. There were so many holes. They asked too much of us. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's nothing else you thought about. Yep. Thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. Right. Ask me again. Because, you know, like I said, these are excellent education in what not to do. <laughs> I might have to, because like I said, Kim's going to be... I'm hoping she'll be back before the last episode, but we don't know. So... Well. Go on here if you need me. Yeah, okay. I'll, I might have to ask you again. And hopefully it'll be better than this one. But I never know. You're, you're just lucky I happened to watch My Wife as a Dog early enough before you had to see it. Because it yeah, was thank just, you for that. It was just awful. Yeah, I can't guarantee that, you know, the next one will be good. It's a risk I'm willing to take. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. Talk right. to you soon. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.